Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I'm Sam. I'm a nurse, powerlifter, podcaster, and co-host of The Selfie Show. Today we are off the clock with the queen of being off the clock. <laughs> Literally off the clock nurse, Leah. Um, this is... Uh, oh, we've been wanting to do it yeah. in this episode forever. I'm gonna like kind of just we'll do another like warning before, but we do talk about like sexual assault and domestic violence. So just putting that out there up front. But disclaimer, yeah. very, very good episode. Yeah. She is so knowledgeable and brings so much good information. So we need her back. Not only that, today we we have a lot of really great uh, resources for you guys, some great tips. We're linking everything in the show notes for you. This is such a good one. And actually, I think a really good follow-up to last week's episode, too. This yeah. is just a really good extension, Since I guess. kind of talking about topics that are a little taboo last week. Now we're kind of yeah. getting into that that does affect the nursing world. Also, we love um, a change up. And I learned so much from Leah today. Me I think too. like, it, this just actually is something that I feel like if I wasn't in the position I am now, I would totally be into this idea of, of being a sane nurse. You know, I literally started looking up sane programs. There's yeah. one at UC Riverside, which I had honestly looked into before. But I don't know, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I think it's <laughs> fascinating. And I think so glad that there's nurses like her yeah. doing that job. Absolutely. Um, okay, this last week we've had a little drama over in your corner. What's going on? You guys, I am having a meltdown. I know. This I'm Queen of Queens. It's like our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> I'm not drinking caffeine. I've been wearing glasses. I am struggling. Struggle bus. But it's fine. It's all like a there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I just have to make it through. So I guess I'll just put it out there because I've gotten 9,000 DMs about why I've had to give up caffeine and I haven't answered everyone because I just am overwhelmed. And the reason I'm overwhelmed is because I have ADHD. <laughs> <Don't figure. laughs> like, so I like read uh, messages and then it's like so many people to answer and then it gets too overwhelming. So then I just don't do it, yeah. which is the core of my undiagnosed ADHD. So I'm what, 36 years old and just now finally being diagnosed. Which is like so funny because as your partner in crime, your sister wife, I'm like, I could have seen this from a mile away. I'm as like, yes. Every single person I've told, I went to a friend's birthday dinner with like 15 of my nurse friends that I've known for 10 years. And they're like, it was the day I gave up coffee. And they're like, why are you giving up coffee? And I told them I just got diagnosed with ADHD. And they all started laughing. And they're like, <laughs> seriously? This like, is, I this is new news? And I'm like, listen, I have been misdiagnosed as having depression my entire, not my, my entire adult life. Yeah. Like early, like around 20 years old and have been on and off meds that have never been effective and never helped me. And I would try to like almost placebo effect, like trick my brain into thinking like it's helping me, but it's like, it's not. And yeah. at the core, I've never, I don't know. Like the, it's so funny because she'll come over you guys and like, it'll be, you know, she'll have to leave. And I guarantee you when she leaves, she's left one thing. At least it's like oh. a charger. It's your keys. It's your coffee cup. It's something. It's I like never not left something at your absolutely. house. And sometimes it's like important stuff. Like, yeah, or a it's chip. my charger. Yeah. And I have to edit the podcast and my computer's at 3% battery and I'm begging people in Orange County because it's <laughs> 11 at night and I can't even go out and buy one. And I'm driving yeah. to a friend's house that lives down the street to get a charger. Like I am. We're been, living for been, the shambles. But I've been living like this my whole life. Just thinking it's like, yeah. 
fine that that's just the way it is. And it's like, it's not. And I'm not like saying if you're like kind of spacey that you have ADHD. Like I've been doing like thorough testing. Yeah. I've done. Your doctor, the the person she's oh seeing you guys is so thorough. I'm, I'm this, this saga is crazy. Thorough to the point where I'm like annoyed where I'm like, just give me drugs. <laughs> like Because I did two, like I did a actual like hour um, not console, but like session of yeah. just like talking, asking me like assessment basically. And on the two different ADHD assessments I took, I got nine out of nine on one yeah. and 90 out of a hundred on the other. And he said anything over 50 is like, <laughs> and I got 90 out of a hundred. And then he made me come in person and do an actual like test unmedicated. Then he gave me some meds and I did the test completely approved. But then he was like, let me try a different med. So it's, I've done five of those tests yeah. where he's trying to fine tune what medication and what dose, which finally got solved on Friday. And I was so excited because he wrote me a prescription for Vyvanse yeah. and gets sent to my pharmacy. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to like feel like a real human. Cause I've been off caffeine for two weeks yeah, crazy. throughout this whole process. <laughs> and I'm like, I am not stable enough to be off caffeine and be going through this raw dog, raw dogging light, just waking <laughs> up and raw dogging earth. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to get my meds. Nope. First then pharmacy's like, we need pre-approval pre-authorization from your pharmacy. Right. Why the fuck if my doctor or prescribed a med, does my insurance have to authorize it? That's insane. My doctor said, this is her diagnosis. This is the medication she needs. And someone in an office building is going to be like, hmm. Yeah. No, I don't think she really needs that. Or yeah, okay, that seems legit. With what background and fucking training? You're not the doctor. The <laughs> medical doctor who went to medical school and has prescriptive authority in the state of California is telling you, the pharmacy, that I need this prescription. Why the insurance can cock block that? I know. Is it's cringe. It's This is the biggest cringe so in our enraged. healthcare system ever. Yeah. So then insurance approves it. And then they're like, pharmacy's like, oh, okay. So by the way, it's only going to, it's still going to be $317 after your insurance. So I'm glad that I pay money every paycheck to my insurance company to then have a medication still be $317. It's the biggest sham. It's the biggest fucking I can't. sham. And I get it because Vyvanse does not have a generic and there's patents. I don't get it. It's it shouldn't it's, be. It's a newer drug. Right? So it's... the patent expires in 2023 and then they can make a generic for it. But it's still trash because even if you're not, even though you're a brand name, why are you so fucking expensive? Why are drugs in this country so expensive. It's so ironic to me too, because I think the miss, there's a lot of misconception that healthcare providers have the best healthcare. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's not, I yeah. have a great mm-hmm. job and it's absolute yeah. bullshit. So I just, I am God bless like Mark Cuban. Oh yes. This. Like I'm obsessed with that. I'm the like, new you're a company. billionaire and you're not trying to like, like with his money, he could literally buy a drug company or something and make a shit ton of money off of humans by being like these other greedy pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. And he actually is like, let me get affordable drugs to people that need I, them. So I shared a, um, one of the podcast episodes that he mm, was with, he did. was on a podcast episode. So he created, it's called cost plus drugs. And essentially what he's doing is he's cutting out the middleman. Yeah. So he's basically going directly to the drug companies. He's selling it. I think he's, his markup is like 15% or whatever, but it still ends up being so much Mm -hmm. significantly less. I mean, it's like literally all these, these drugs are a quarter of the price. Like I would love, I'm like secretly, I'm like, can we team up with them to like, (laughs) like uh, bless you, Mark. Love you, Mark. Thank you. And then I doing good. 
here's the thing though. So my med is like a controlled substance. So that's what sucks. Yeah. It's not like I can get it delivered in the mail and right. things like that because it's so tightly controlled by um yeah all of the regulations yeah, all the, the regulations FDA. and yeah. stuff so freaking sucks so i'm just so frustrated so then i call my doctor and i'm like well i don't want to start a med that i have to that i literally can't afford so yeah. then she's like oh here's a manufacturer coupon so then she gives me all this number like i have to call and activate it so i call this 800 number i activate the coupon all this shit it's like a long ass process it's activated so it's going to make it zero dollars for the first month and then it's going to be discounted going forward so I call the pharmacy I'm like okay coupons activated they're like okay well by the way we don't keep that drug in stock it has to be ordered so I'm like and it's gonna take two business you know what's days. crazy is I think this story your this particular situation is what everyone so many people go through yeah and I can't imagine for people too who need literally life-saving drugs yes, yes. to go through this this is just mental health right and to me that's important but i'm like right it's not like a matter of it's going to literally throw off but like the insulin yeah. sagas yes, that i hear insulin. from people and it's just insane. like you can't live without insulin if you're a type 1 diabetic right you cannot physically right. physically like your body does not produce it it's not a resistance it's literally like your pancreas said i'm done yeah so i started crying I literally broke Wait, down. Wait, this is the funny part. <laughs> so Sam, after all this saga, she went and you got your eyes threaded. My eyebrows threaded, and which is painful. Yeah. I always kind of like when I get my eyebrows threaded will be like, my eyes will water up a little yeah. bit. But this time I was so emotional about this whole drug saga that while I was getting my eyebrows started, I started crying <laughs> in the chair and was tears were rolling down my face and she took a little tissue and was wiping oh my, my eyes. And I was like, oh my God, does she think I'm crying because it's a pain or does she just think that I'm like this sad, depresso meso? <laughs> like what is that? And I was like, then I almost started. And then I'm like, this is how crazy I am. Then I kind of started laughing because it was so like, <laughs> It was so sad that it was like funny almost. You can't help it. And I was laugh. like, oh I my know. God. So yeah. I have no drugs. I'm raw dogging life this weekend, which yeah. sucks. I, it's just, so they ordered them and then they won't tell me. They could not tell me how much it's going to be going forward. I said, okay, the first, first month's three going forward with the coupon. They're like, well, we can't like that's with your insurance. Call my insurance company, spend hour on the phone with them. They can't even figure out which my plan is or like yeah. what the coverage is for that. And then they're like, well, we don't have anything to do with manufacturer coupons that's the pharmacy and i'm like yeah it's just it's I, the saga the, continues the circles that <laughs> i'm running insane. in so i don't even know if i want that med now i have to call my doctor's office monday and be like can i just have adderall so i don't know yeah, i just yeah. it's absurd that someone has to spend an entire afternoon doing all these phone calls and it's like okay america and then this some. is our system is yeah. trash yeah it's absolute trash yeah so that's my angry saga for the weekend. But my eyebrows look good. Yes, you're on point. <laughs> and your extensions. And you inspired me. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, I, Tori is a queen now. I got it. I got extensions. My my week was far less <laughs> crazy than yours this week. But, yeah, I got some extensions. I'm here for it. You know what? We're here for a glam moment. I wanted a little glam. And um, yeah, well, okay. You have the eyelashes. I do. I don't. I got the lashes and I got the extensions. But I'm like, I've got lip filler. We like balance yeah. out. <laughs> We're just a balance of like. I don't fakeness. do lips. I don't do the lips, but I'll do the lashes. Yeah, here. I'm I here don't. For it. I don't even think I could because of my contacts glasses. Yeah, saga. you've got a whole. Th yeah, could you that's imagine a whole thing. like the eye infection waiting to happen yeah. for me if I started to try to get lash extensions? So right now I'm also in my glasses, which by the way, yesterday I tried. So I've been showering 
without my glasses in all week because I can't see like physically. Yeah. My prescription is negative. It like makes you dizzy. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, what am I? I I know where my parts are. So when I get in the shower, I just take my glasses (laughs) off and I can still shower without being able to see because it's like, I know my body, whatever. But last night I wanted to shave my legs and I'm like, fuck, I literally (laughs) cannot see so I wore my glasses in the shower and then they started fogging up and then I was like trying to like little like windshield wipers and I was like how do blind like if you can see in the shower you're taking things in life for granted Uh, like you you don't know (laughs) like you've probably never even thought about that Uh, the fact that you can just see in the shower we should just I should just get a a pair of glasses that are like I should wear your glasses and just see how it feels to have this like let's look at this like put my glasses on right now Oh, oh my, you guys. <gasps> so what you see with my glasses on is how it's I literally, see with them off. Oh my God. I'm, this is insane. Are you going to throw it's up? It's blurry. Yeah, this is, it's, it's, it's beyond, you know, and at, or as long as I've known you, I've just never realized how bad it was. No, because know? I always wear contacts. But <gasps> so basically I am doing the implantable contact lens surgery in July, mm-hmm. but I have to, um, do, that's another this, saga. Yeah, I have to do an appointment next week where they're going to measure my eyes, dilate them, measure the pressure, all these things so they can make that custom lens. But I have to be out of my contacts for a week before that appointment. And I just have too much going on in the next two months that this was the only week I could do it. So it's like another week yeah. of wearing these glasses. I can barely... You got the middle child genetics syndrome <laughs> here. Know. I'm just like... <laughs> listen, God was like... Your mom and dad were just like... <laughs> this is how God kept me humble. He's like... <laughs> Okay, we're going to make you beautiful, smart, funny, funny with a fat ass. Yeah, queen. But we're going to make you blind. Blind as fuck. As fuck. <laughs> with ADHD. With ADHD and no yeah. rhythm. Yeah, there you go. Because you love ratchet music, but we're going to make it so that you can't actually dance to it. <laughs> Thanks, God. Good looking Love that. Out. Love that. So that's my saga uh, this week. We've had, we love the sagas. They continue. Um, okay, quick shout out for this. N- this coming week, uh, Nurses Take DC. This is a huge uh, nurse-driven moment for all of us, you guys, to help make safe nurse-patient ratios. Yeah. Um, So this is really exciting on March, or I'm sorry, May 12th. Everyone is marching in D.C. It's going to be included with the Nurses March, the National Nurses March, um, the Nurses Unions, Show Me Your Stethoscope, Nurses Take D.C. There's a whole bunch of organizations going and we're really pumped for this. I wish we could be there. We can't be there. The funny there. thing is I'm going to D.C. on the 23rd. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's for family stuff and Darn. for work. It's like a combo trip. But yeah. They're assembling yeah. uh, 8 a.m. And yeah, so the two... I hope this gets lots of like news recognition. I think so, too. And I think this is going to be a big one. For any of you guys that are going, hey, tag us in anything. We'll repost it. We are here to support this 1,000%. Um, the two bills and legislation that they're really going for are the Nurse Staffing Standards for Hospital Patient Safety and Quality Care Act, and then also Workplace Violence Prevention for Healthcare and Social Service Workers. Those are the two main acts. Um, and then I believe also they're having actually ZDOG, um, oh. I believe, is going to be there in attendance, and he's going to be one of the keynote speakers. Love that. Um, they just, this is a huge moment for all of us. This has been a long time in the making. We're super, super, I, I'm pumped about this. This is the kind of movement we need forward for our profession and for healthcare in general. And please keep that in mind as you come into midterm elections and things like that, yeah. because some of the people that 
you might politically align with might not have nurses best interest or healthcare workers best interest in mind. So, um, because did you know that the prosecutor for the Redonda bot trial yes. was reelected? How did he, I'm sorry. I do not understand. I yeah, don't understand. That's so disappointing. You suck, Tennessee. <sighs> It's just, know. yeah, it's so, re- I, I'm very shocked by how much bad press he got that he still was We re-elected. have so much more power than we are utilizing. And remember that when the polls come around, guys, we need to use our power. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyone in attendance, you guys, we're here for it. We love it. Um, okay, I want to leave this as a tip of the week because it's sort of an extension of this episode. So Lex, who we had on a couple weeks ago, our girl, our girly girl from TikTok. Traveling nurse on TikTok and love her. Wander Lex on Instagram. So she made this as a rec, and I thought this was really good. So it's called Plan C Pills. It's an organization that connects people to um, abortion pills in all 50 states so they don't actually sell the pills but it was really interesting because for people who may be affected by the potential law that may or may not go through we don't really know but I just thought this was a really interesting um, organization that will help connect people so if you are someone that knows somebody if you're someone who may need this um it's intended for i believe the first 12 weeks of life if it's something that you know you need or again someone you need to stock up why not get all your pills and uh share with your friends you know have a girly girl party and (laughs) so um i just feel like this is a great great uh rec for you guys we are going to save it in the show notes for you as a reference as well because i just think this is so great for everyone you got to have, have access to safe options and this is uh definitely one that we wanted to highlight and then yeah i think that's a great one yeah so um what's your unpopular opinion this of isn't the mine week? this actually makes me mad because this was one that someone told me um, their unpopular opinion is coffee isn't actually good. You just are addicted to caffeine. <laughs> yes, I'm addicted to caffeine, but absolutely not. Caf- coffee is my emotional support drink. Absolutely. I genuinely love the taste. I, I don't remember a time in nine years that you haven't had cold brew. It's delicious. Yeah. And I like it black. I am a purist. I would maybe argue that if I was getting this oat milk, vanilla, bullshit, yada, yada. No, (laughs) fuck that. Wow. Coming in hot, swinging. That is not coffee. You guys, that is like a designer drink. I love designer drinks. Yeah. You're not drinking like there is coffee in your drink, but you're not drinking coffee. (sighs) Let's make sure that we are clear on that distinction. I love, I love coffee period, but I do. I'm, but you don't drink coffee. I don't drink drink, designer drinks. Yeah, I do. I do. I love oat milk, but the thing is, okay. If you're only adding one ingredient, oat milk. Okay, fine. You know what I mean? Like there's no sugar. I I do add a little sugar. Exactly. But most of the time it's just, you know, or maybe like a little foam at the top. You just want your cold brew with a little of that cold foam. Foam grosses me out. Oh my God. It's so good. So So I can tell you being off of coffee for two weeks is tragic. And I was, I was pretty sick the first few days coming off of coffee. Like I'm not even gonna lie. I had to call in sick to work. Like I was not not well. well. I couldn't get out of bed. I had migraines. I was nauseous. Like I just would take Tylenol PM and go back to sleep. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do like, that's crazy. It was bad. It was way worse than I thought it would be. I was like, Oh, it's not going to be that bad. It was caffeine's a drug. Caffeine's a hell of a drug. (laughs) But now I don't miss the caffeine portion to be honest that it's been two weeks. I'm like, 
I'm glad I did this, but I genuinely miss the taste of coffee. It is a comforting taste. Yeah. When it hits my lips, I'm like, oh, that shit. We need to get you some good decaf. I know. I, Mm. I, so no, that you're opinion is false and you suck yeah uh, <laughs> coffee is delicious um and i also do it for the caffeine so thank yeah. you very much <laughs> i mean it's dual purpose okay but it's like to sit there and say that i i think beer sucks mm, maybe see, that's I, an unpopular opinion i like the taste of beer i don't like the taste of beer and i think that people that are like these brewery obsessed like beer people i'm like oh i love a craft beer it's love disgusting. a craft beer i you know i'm specific about it I, but i do love a good craft beer I don't get it I don't Mm. think it tastes good but I think coffee is genuinely like just chef's kiss um yes we love this for you coffee all around for all of us thank you very much we should have it fully stocked in hospitals 24 7 for all of us by the way honestly that should be free all right we're getting into it with Leah this week you guys Today, we are with Leah Helbrick. She's known as Off the Clock Nurse on IG and the creative behind the Off the Clock blog. She's a former operating room travel nurse. She's a current SANE nurse, which is a sexual assault nurse examiner. And she's a content creator on IG, TikTok, and her blog. She's been working as a nurse for uh, over 13 years, working ortho trauma, OR travel. She's also been a nurse recruiter, yeah, which is crazy. really super interesting. Yeah. Um, working for like a nurse advice line and admissions discharges. And then now as a forensic nurse, sexual assault nurse examiner. Yeah. And today she's me opening up to us about her experiences in forensic nursing, neurological responses to trauma and sexual assault nursing. This is obviously a very heavy topic. And we know uh, this is just something that's very important and we really wanted to talk about. We also want to talk about what happens when we experience traumas, what is the process for sexual assault examination, and how can we really help people through this process. And also, you guys, I wanted to highlight this. We are um, saving everything in the show notes for you guys. All the recommendations that Leah made today are going to be saved there for you. And as a disclaimer, the following stories contain references to sexual assault, domestic violence, and child abuse as well. So we just want to give that as a disclaimer before we jump into the show. So... Okay, Leah, you know the drill. What is your unpopular opinion? Oh, gosh. So, okay, so I was going to, I was teetering between bringing up two. And I feel like the one with, um, like, I actually really love going on cruises. I don't know. I feel like there was, like, this whole debate on, like, cruises. Do you like them? Do you not like them? (laughs) But then um, I saw this thing uh, people were discussing a while ago about wiping in the bathroom and how everyone was like, uh, you lean to the side and wipe and I'm a betwixer and someone's like, you don't go betwixt. Um, And so, but I I go betwixt. I feel like people that go like this. I think I go betwixt. My ass is too big. Lean to the side. And you always know. Yeah. And so I thought that's what, (laughs) that's what normal people do. But apparently there's like this whole like subset of people that are just like, what, who goes. Oh my God. Is this a Reddit thread? You know, this is a Reddit thread for sure. We're going to have have to do a poll. Yeah, we are. We are. I Mm -hmm. need to know. Yeah. You're going to have to deep dive in that. Okay. Also, cruises wise i will say this i thought like leaning to the side was like a guy thing because your junk hangs in the way so like they kind of had to but for girls i mean they don't just lift why like i'm gonna go the 
I maybe <laughs> I just feel like that's a really long like I'm not well, gonna that's be able a way to start off there. our podcast so, today. <laughs> I don't know was that Food for thought now I'm gonna question everyone I know yeah based on was that. that too much yeah. was that too much is it Okay. No, I love this. No, I'm going to judge people based on their answer. Yeah. From here on yeah. Out. It's one of those things I'm going to have to ask people off the. Like, I also think, wait, I want to go back to the cruise one because the cruise one is interesting because, okay, first of all, I've never been on one, but I think my thought on that is I only want to go on a cruise to certain places. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain places where I want to be on land and I want to experience it there and I don't necessarily need to be on a boat. But then there's other places where I'd be like, yeah, I'd absolutely do that on a cruise. You know? Okay, I've been on like eight or nine cruises. In my yeah, life. how have I never? I've but really never done one. I think now since COVID, oh yeah, I don't know. You don't. I guess thought of being on a cruise makes me claustrophobic. Yeah. Of um, like getting stuck on there because there was people that like then they shut it down and they were stuck on there for two weeks, a month, and I'm like, I would, I would jump off. I don't care. Arrest me. I'm making a break for it. I'm swimming to the shore. Do what you got to do. If I die on that swim, I die. But like, I'm not gonna sit on this boat for a month, locked you up. You know, I don't think like, that would yeah, be I, much no. different from my daily life because I'm already like laying on my couch in my underwear watching Netflix and like surfing the internet. Internet, so like being stuck on a cruise ship like free rent like whatever like bring me my food yeah great um, great you know serve me <laughs> um whatever uh, but no like definitely pre pre-pandemic cruise I think I'm still trying I I almost had a breakdown getting on a plane um with like the no mask thing I wore my N95 I was like the yeah, only yeah. one <laughs> so We'll see. We'll see. Well, and it's crazy because you, I mean, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but you have been literally all over the world. Like Sam, you are Sam's wet dream. <laughs> like what you have been doing is Sam's wet dream. Like wait, I just want to travel. Honestly, I'm like, I went through your blog and I was like, holy shit. Like I didn't realize how many places you've been, yeah. Leah. So we're going to get into it. But um, before we get into all that fun stuff, um, let's hear a little bit about your background, um, where you grew up and, you know, give some context to the listeners. Yeah. I, where I grew up, that, I, that's too hard. I grew up a military, military family. So all over the place, Guam, Hawaii, um, mainly Virginia and then South Dakota. And don't ask me how we ended up there. Um, I really don't know. Do people actually uh, live there? They do <laughs> in their horse buggies. No, I'm just kidding. I, I actually think we have a couple listeners. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. So, just kidding. Um, yeah. And then I went back to Virginia for college. Um, and yeah, and then I worked um, my first, my first nursing job was so hard. I got, I graduated in 2009. So that was like the um, economic collapse. <laughs> And no one was hiring new grads. And so I was like, I want to do pediatrics and L&D and all these cutesy um, uh, types of nursing. <laughs> and instead, I got orthopedics and trauma floor nursing. And it was <laughs> so miserable. I hated it um, because we were also super short staff. So we would have like seven to eight patients. Um, and then they would just like flip flop us back and forth from day shift to night shift. And, you know, you do your like neuro checks on your patients. You're like, what day is it? And then it's like, wait a second, I have to look it up myself because <laughs> I don't know what day it is. <laughs> so um, I yeah. ended up going to the operating room um, after the one year. And I think the, the guy throwing his food tray at me um, really sparked the I need to go where patients are asleep. Yeah. So 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the operating room and then I got my two years um, experience. I was young, single, and just decided to start travel nursing. And then it became an addiction um, because you work your 13 week contract and then I would take a month off and go country hopping um, and then come back and do another 13 weeks. So uh, I did that for that's where I messed yeah, up. And I mean, there's still time. There are travel still nurses time. Mm. of all I'm set ages. in my ways now. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a great experience. I always recommend it to anyone who can be flexible. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's a lot right. harder for people who are like, I have to know everything at every moment, you know, because there's so much unknown when you do travel nursing. Um, but... Then I decided to leave nursing altogether and I became a travel nurse recruiter. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. February yeah, 2020 yeah. and then March 2020, <laughs> everything shut wow. down um, and all of those jobs went away. Um, like the travel job, it was so hard. Um, and I, I know like all of the traveler or the recruiters that I'm friends with too, they, I mean, they still struggle too with all of these hospitals canceling contracts or dropping rates. And like, you feel awful. You feel so terrible calling them up and being like, hey, I know your car is packed and you're about to drive across the country, uh, but they just canceled and I have nothing else for you. You know, it's like- I was actually like just gonna ask you that because I am actually, um, I actually had an agency work re reach out to me and I was actually asking them that question. I was like, how much is that in your control? Like as an agency when, when your contract is cut, because in my head, I'm like, you signed a contract, yeah. you know, abiding, like, you know, a quote unquote, sign your life away. This is like, you agreed to this many weeks of work for that pay, mm -hmm. but like, how legal is it and mm -hmm. how much is it in the control of the agency at all? Zero you know? control of the agency. So they can't like make the hospitals have you <laughs> make, make a job for you, right? They, the agency doesn't do that. The hospital does that. So the hospital decides to drop the pay. Sure. You know, I see a lot of people posting like, oh, well, why doesn't the agency just, you know, eat the cost? I mean, they're the ones that are, um, you know, they want us to leave them and go somewhere else. And it's like, they're a business at the end of the day also. And if they, for every single nurse that gets um, their rates dropped or, or contract canceled, which is a lot, um, I don't think they realize yeah. how many nurses there are that are traveling right now and how often this is happening. Um, I mean, they would go out of business. You know, you can't, they would totally go out of business. So, and they all have shareholders and it, it is literally a business. <laughs> so, um, right. there's just like, like so much more to it that I had no idea. I literally thought my recruiter was just like sitting around waiting me, for me to call and like complain to him about something, <laughs> which is so not the case. Like I, I was just like run ragged, you know, and, um, and it's a 24 seven job. I mean, I'd, I'd have nurses calling me at 2 a.m. or I'd wake up to like a whole page text about how pissed off they are about something. And I'm like, I don't know what I was, I'm, I was asleep. It yeah. was 1 a.m. <laughs> um, please don't be mad at me. Um, so it's, right, they, right, right. they, you know, I think there are 
good recruiters and bad recruiters, but I also think there are good nurses and bad nurses, <laughs> you know? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's I think it's too. just, it goes both ways. Um, so I just, it's get having, being from both sides now, I'm just kind of like, Ooh, let's, um, you know, yeah, yeah, tone it back tough. a little bit here. <laughs> I am really curious. Okay. So you decided to become a sane yeah. nurse. When did that happen? How did that happen? All the things. Yeah. And what is it? And what, is it? <laughs> what is it? Okay, but really quick, we love a hydrated queen. <laughs> Absolutely. Thirsty vibes over here now that I am caffeine free and drinking all the water in my hydro jug. You are literally, you are getting so hydrated and I am obsessed. Am obsessed. I not glowing or what? Absolutely. You guys, we are talking hydro jug. This is the best insulated water bottle on the market. It holds up to a half gallon of water so you can hydrate more and refill less. It has a leak-proof seal, which is great because I'm always dropping everything. There's also three jug options, glass, stainless steel, BPA-free. It has a huge wide mouth opening, which makes it super easy to add ice or fruit to it. And then the one that we have, the stainless steel, has a built-in straw, which makes it so nice because you don't have to like tip it up to try to drink out of it. Yeah, it also has this amazing integrated handle, which makes it easy to carry and also drink. They have 40 different combinations of colors and patterns. It's fashionable. It's eco-friendly. We love this for us. They even make like these other cool sleeves that you can slip them into to help carry it around. So it's nice to bring to the gym that way or especially like work for your 12 hour shift. Yeah. And well, you know, okay, I was thinking about this. I'm like, it may not feel like a big deal having to refill your water bottle at work, but if you don't have access to filtered water, which I personally much prefer, I'm just saying like, this is so much easier far less annoying. It's just a one-stop shop. You fill it up, you go to work and you just drink and hydrate up. It's also a good way to kind of track and make sure you're getting in that like half gallon or if you really want to go for it, drink two of them a day and live your best life. Absolutely. And of course, this is a great way for you guys to help support the show. Head over to hydrojug.com and use the code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E to get 10% off of your order today. Again, head over to thehydrojug.com use code selfie c-e-l-l-f-i-e and get that 10 percent off a uh, really good gift for your preceptor cough mm, cough hint hint we love this for us all right let's get back into the show yeah i actually i had no idea when i was a recruiter i had a nurse that gave me she sent me her resume and it had sane on it and i was like that's weird um so i googled it and then i talked to her about it i was like what is this and um, so it's a sexual assault nurse examiner, and um, it's you're a nurse, you have your RN, and then you do an extra um, training course to be proficient in forensic science. Um, so you work with patients who have been affected by sexual assault or domestic violence, um, and so you do all of the um, evidence collection um, and talk with the patient and kind of be there as like their advocates um, as well to make sure that they're getting the prophylactic medications, the post-trauma resources, and um, just kind of talk them talk them through it and let them know what their options are. So that's, that's kind of what the job is. And then um, when I left being a recruiter because I it was awful. I um, <laughs> I actually got a job as a um, at the nurse advice line, so I was working from home, and you just take calls from the public and triage their symptoms. Um, well, I had a, a patient who had called in, 
and couldn't remember what had happened the night before she had gone to like this small little get together and only had two beers and that's it could not remember how she got home um clothes were ripped um didn't know what to do but you know it was height of covid and so nobody wants to go to the emergency room then so we were getting a ton of these calls um and it turns out um you know i was just looking at like our guideline at the nurse line and it just wasn't like it didn't give very good information like very much information i guess so i looked into it further and i found a free course at the university of colorado hospital um sane sane safe program so it's um government funded which is really nice because a lot of these programs can cost like a thousand dollars, you know, and how much would you hate going through this program and decide that you hate it and you just had to spend a thousand dollars? Like that's not a little bit of money. So um, it was 64 hours online didactic, plus you got 64 CEUs. Um, and then you go down to Colorado Springs and do two days of in-class clinicals. Um, and it was kind of cool because they had these like volunteers that came in and you'd practice speculum exams on them and they know their bodies. They've been doing this so long that like one girl was like, my cervix is down into the left. And I was like, oh, OK, um, cool. You know, <laughs> like who uh, so to be like, OK, I'm going to have to tilt the speculum down, you know, further. So anyway, it was just really interesting. And then it just happened that. When I finished the program, I went on my hospital's job board and saw a job posting for it and interviewed for it and and started like a couple weeks later. So I feel like everything just kind of like fell into place. What is the schedule like for that type yeah. of job? Because is it like on call or like how does that work? For my hospital, it's on call. It's different everywhere. So there are some places where you're you're in-house full-time, like you're in the emergency room full-time. Um, my schedule, we only do um, PRN on call. So I do four shifts a month that are on call. So um, four 12-hour shifts. So we do seven to seven um, and we're, there's somebody available 24 seven. Um, and so they can call us in. Do you have like a certain like distance you have to live from the hospital and response time, like that sort yeah. of thing for being on call? Yeah, so you um, have to be able to get in there within an hour, hour response time. So it's, I mean, it's nice, you know, you don't have to like rush in, not bad. but you yeah, that's you smart. still want to get in fast yeah. enough because, you know, they're, they're sitting there, <laughs> right? Um, and you mm -hmm. don't want, right, you don't want right. to make them wait too long. Plus, you know, they can also always be thinking like, change their mind and say like, no, 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 I want to leave and leave mm -hmm. without getting any kind of care. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's our main objective is making sure um, that they are getting all of the prophylactic um, medications, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and trauma resources. Right. I'm really curious about this. And I actually want to make this a highlight why it's on the top of my head before I forget to say this. Um, so Obviously, when I was doing a little bit of research on you, I noticed that you have um, a really great highlight story about um, all things sane nursing, which I think is amazing for anyone who's really curious about seeing the day in and day out, because actually I learned a lot from that. Um, but I really want to dig into this. So 
I obviously trauma really affects your brain, right? Like this is something that so many of us are dealing with, even on, on a personal level, much less also our patients. And I'm just really curious about how it affects your brain. And maybe you can dig into that a little bit for us. Yeah, I think the neurobiology of trauma is such a huge topic. And it's not even it's not taught to us as basic healthcare providers, which I think is so important to know um, because in reality the majority of our patients that we're taking care of like you're you're gonna come across somebody who um, has been assaulted right whether it's like right then you know just coming into the emergency room or they're having ptsd while you're maybe doing some kind of um a procedure on them and um, so trauma-informed care in this aspect is like so important as well. So as far as the neurobiology of trauma, there's certain parts of your brain that high, um, like kind of, what is it, like lighten up or whatever, um, trigger when, when the trauma occurs. So you've got your HPA axis, so that's your hypothalamus, um, pituitary, and adrenal glands. So your hypothalamus um, triggers your pituitary, which triggers your adrenal gland that secretes all of these stress hormones. And so they're like catecholamines, cortisol, a natural opioid, and oxytocin. And you're like, oh, those sound like like you you um, secrete oxytocin when you're giving birth or, you know, like during like some happy events, but it's really to, um, it's your body's way of protecting itself. Right. And so it triggers your fight or flight. It can cause people to be really sleepy with the natural opioids or make them feel like it's kind of weird because it doesn't hurt down there, you know, even though they were just sexually assaulted it does nothing hurts or they'll say like i feel fine and that's why you get um all these different affects like you see in the movies and tv shows how people come in and they're just like crying and hysterical and um after an assault but that's not always the case um sometimes i'll see patients who you know i can laugh with them i can they're sometimes they're um I don't know, just, you know, just completely normal. Sometimes they're crying hysterically. Sometimes they're extremely angry and just want to start screaming. Um, And so there's no right or wrong way for somebody to be acting after an assault. So you can't determine uh, whether someone is telling the truth just purely based off of how they're acting. Um, On top of that, those hormones that are released are unfortunately most damaging to the memory parts of the brain. And so I found it really interesting how uh, with police officers, when they're in a shootout, right, that's a trauma, um, but they are given two full sleep cycles before they are ever like professionally interviewed about that event. However, we, because that's, they found that best recall is two full sleep cycles. Um, But for these assault patients that come in, we ask them right away, okay, tell me what happened. And then days later, when they're starting to remember um, better and maybe their statement changes, now all of a sudden they're lying because their story is changing. Um, And so it's really a, 
something that the neurobiology of trauma is something that you know not just health health providers need to know about but even law enforcement and um, lawyers and <laughs> prosecutors and like they really need to understand that so that they're not um, putting in this secondary victimization on being like well you're lying because of this or that there's right. a biological reason for everything what are some of the biggest challenges you faced coming in like you say you get called in whether it's with healthcare staff or law enforcement when you're trying to do your job yeah i think it's just changing um the social norm of it okay so a patient was drinking and then was assaulted got in her car and started driving right because fight or flight i gotta get out of here he's beating me up she's got visible um, injury all around her neck from strangulation mm -hmm. punched in the face just bruises all over and so the officer comes in and immediately starts asking her not about her injuries or um, or about the assault, but how much have you had to drink? Are you under the influence? Because, and when I asked why he was doing that, um, later on when I went in, um, long story short, I had to go talk with the, the lieutenant about him um, and we watched the body cam. Uh, the lieutenant said, well, you know, um, I mean, we needed to see if we had to charge her with a DUI. <laughs> And I said, uh, what? Yeah, and it's like, okay, okay. So uh, did she hurt anybody? Well, she could have, okay. Well, let's look at it this way. I get you have to legally ask her those questions, but- But she was she hurt. She was so hurt. Like, that's the point. She was you actually I mean? hurt. She was hurt. <laughs> so, so let's start with that. Yeah, right. And then we can address the other right. things let's... afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, or we have frequent flyers, right? We have frequent flyers and so sometimes ER staff um, will say, oh, they're back. Okay, um, well, it's not for you or me to say whether she was sexually assaulted or not, right? Or to judge that, um, could she have had um, like, okay, so one, she has a past history of being um, sex trafficked as a child, right? And with PTSD in, in regards of sexual assault, PTSD, just like uh, military, right? Sometimes they can jolt awake and feel like they're right back in that war zone. It's the same with sexual assault. They can feel like it's so real to them that it's happening. And so could they have been sexually assaulted again? Absolutely. Could they have been... Um, you know, having a PTSD moment and think that they were just sexually assaulted again? Absolutely. Like, we just don't know. And that's why we need them to come in and let's talk about it and let's do an exam and see what we can, you know, what we can find. Um, but either way, it's not for us to judge and it's not for the ER staff to judge or the patrol officer to judge. Um, it is for the prosecution and the judge and the jury. <laughs> right in the at the end so um yeah it's that's <laughs> can you list out maybe the most the top common things that you do see on a daily basis whether it's adult or pediatric like just a couple quick things that you see in your in your line of work yeah so uh when the bars opened up um around 
May of last year, uh, we were getting, well, I was getting so many DFSA, so drug facilitated sexual assaults, where they would go out to a bar um, and have drinks and then either wake up in a back alley without their underwear on or like could not remember how they got home or, and not really having like having one or two drinks, you know? So it's like, that's kind of weird. Um, you definitely, we definitely get a lot at my hospital. Um, we get a lot of the homeless community um, that comes in. Um, we get mainly female, but I have had men. Um, I have had transgender. I have had non-binary. It can, it can happen to anybody, right? It can happen to anyone. Um, the highest risk groups are going to be female, um, I think it's like 18 to 26 years old. Um, if you're homeless, uh, if you're a part of the LGBTQ community, plus community, um, in indigenous population, uh, homeless, mental illness, or drug addiction, um, or some kind of addiction. And when you look at it, right, you look at all of those, it's like, what do, you, what do they all have in common? they're the populations that are most perceived to be less believed. And that's exactly what these perpetrators are banking on is for people to not believe them and not care about them and not listen to them. And that's exactly what we need to change about our society view on sexual assault and domestic violence. With regards to like sexual assault and domestic violence, what do you, like, what is something, if anyone listening here has been a victim that you kind of want to, like, leave with them as a message? Because I feel like not everyone always had access to someone like you. And it kind of just sucks the lack of resources in general in this country. But I feel like you're on our podcast and it's such a good platform to be able to kind of, like, speak to this population. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any ER should be able to tell you where you can go to get a SANE exam. And um, it's important to know, especially for sexual assault, that you don't have to talk to the police. Like there's plenty of reasons why people don't want to report it right away. Um, and so like in Colorado, we have three reporting options. So, um, you know, please come in, please reach out to your local ER, see if they know where you can get a, a SANE kit done before driving all that way. Call the operator at the hospital and see if they have a SANE nurse there. Um, you can always Google um, sexual assault advocacy groups or the national domestic violence or national sexual assault hotlines and they should be able to help you find a place to go. Um, so I, there are resources out there. It's just, it's harder, especially if they're in like really rural, rural areas. I've always mm -hmm. had a hard time saying that, but, um, you know, we, <laughs> and just because let's say you've taken a shower or it's been a couple of days, that doesn't matter. Like my hospital will see sexual assault patients up to seven days. Other hospitals, it's up to five days. It just because you've taken a shower, it doesn't matter. DNA is 
super resilient. Um, you know, we, if it's there, we will, um, we just swab it. You only need eight to 10 skin cells to get a DNA match. So um, come in, if you bring your clothes, um, try and put it in a, in a paper bag, but plastic is fine too. Um, you know, the only thing with clothing is that uh, a lot of the times you won't get it back. Um, there's always a chance that you won't get it back. And so that's why we also will not judge you if you want to keep your clothes. Um, I always tell my patients, you know, some, some of them are like, oh, this used to be my favorite sweater. I'm like, there's no reason why it doesn't have to still be your favorite sweater. You know, this, this horrible event should not dictate what you love to do and, or what you, you know, what's your favorite, whatever. Um, so I always try and push that and be like, it's okay if you want to keep it, you know, I'll just look it over. And if there's any stains on there, I'll take a photo of it and I'll swab it. Um, I think the most important is just, is the underwear. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, if they can find a sane or even um, there's a safe. Safes are non-nurses that are trained in this, so like doctors or PAs. Um, so I really hope that the smaller communities uh, or like rural communities, um, like some of the healthcare providers there, I wish that they would, um, you know, take a course and be able to do this. But yeah, I just... I think I, what I would want everyone to know is like, please come in. Like if anything, we just want to get you, you know, medically checked out too. And, um, yeah, make sure that you're safe. And especially for domestic violence, if you're not ready to leave, we're not going to judge you. Um, we're just going to give you resources so that when you are ready, you know that you have a safe place to come and people who believe you and, uh, and that we can help you. Um, try and get out as safe as possible. Yeah, those are all really great. Yeah. Like I didn't know a lot of I the know. things that you just said. We're so. going to also, Leah will link everything in the show mm -hmm. notes too as well uh, for resources because I think something that's really interesting that comes to mind is thinking about how many victims um, that I may have had. I know for sure I had, there's three that come to mind in my world of NICU of moms that I know for sure were in domestic abuse but there probably were many more and it's interesting from our perspective like is there ways to pick up on signs of someone maybe who may be in that situation or like or maybe someone in our life like do you tips of like how to help someone in those situations yeah it's so hard because um there's the big misconception with like especially with domestic violence that the abuser just has like anger management issues and that they have these like sudden outbursts of anger um, but really what it has to do is power and control um, over another person and so a lot of the times when these actually do come to light a lot of the friends and family or co-workers are like so shocked <laughs> to find out that they're um, that the you know the perpetrator had been abusing um, like their their significant other or whoever um, because they're not they're not aggressive in any other capacity so it is really hard to point out i think if you notice things like um like do they flinch do they not make eye contact do they um you know maybe they are hyper um 
you know, like helicopter moms. Like I'm not saying all helicopter moms are uh, are abused, but sometimes the own they're so they feel like their power and control has been taken away from them that the only thing they can control is what happens to my baby <laughs> what happens to you know and so if there's somebody that's maybe a little bit overbearing you know what is causing them to be that way um and and you know again there's other things that can cause that um if you notice any uh bruises right any any bruises any abrasions like oh my gosh what happened there how'd you what happened what got what happened there? What, how'd you get that? You know, um, just asking questions and if their, um, you know, story sounds really weird, um, then, you know, maybe bring it up and you can always say things, um, like, uh, when I was at the nurse line, we would, uh, get calls. Um, and I had, I had one that was like, Oh, um, I, I got into a fight and, um, uh, with this girl and I got hit in the stomach and I was like you got into a fight with a girl uh, like just some some random person she's like yeah she was just like out on the streets I'm like do you want to call the police she's like no 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 and I was like okay she's like I just want to make sure that you know like my baby is okay and I was like well I think you should go in and get checked out um, you know I mean I know this was a I can <laughs> I know this was a girl out on the street that did this but um, are you interested if I send you like a, um, an email with like our domestic violence hotline? And if you ever want to call that, you know, I'm not saying that that's what's going on, but if you, if you want to, or maybe you might know somebody in the future that might need it, um, you know, and, and they always, always said, yeah, that would be great, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it's kind of like you learn the, the skill of, reading between the mm -hmm. lines exactly because I would imagine most victims 99% of the time are never going to tell you yes I was hit yes this is happening to my ch you know I mean the amount of things that's running through my head that you know people could go through I'm sure they never want to admit to it because it's also something where you, I'm sure you feel um you know this combination of like battered down and worn down but like shame and like all these things are coming to mind that these that are potentially these people go through and you know I just picking up on it you know is very subtle mm -hmm. oh definitely and it's not just you know the shame but um you know I think we we're going to talk about like love bombing right like when they did a study yeah. between abused women and non-abused women in uh relationships the one thing that they had in common was that the woman truly did love their partner, right? Whether it was their partner or their partner that was abusing them. And so the love is real. And I think anyone, even who's not in an abusive relationship, um, you know, when, when someone's not treating you right and you go through a breakup, like you're just, you're still heartbroken because, um, and then when they come back, cause they always come back, um, uh, you know, right. it's like, oh, maybe they're gonna be different this time, right? And especially in domestic violence situations, they're telling them that they're gonna be different. I'm so sorry that I did that. I didn't mean it. I love you so much. Here's these flowers, here's these gifts. It'll never happen again. Oh, well, he said he, it's never gonna happen again, but we, I mean, we all know it's gonna happen again. <laughs> so, um, 
and it just turns into the cycle of abuse um, until they have other things, right? Like, um, oh, you know, you don't, you don't need to work. I can afford to, to take care of both of us. So now they don't have an income. Well, if you're not working, then you don't really need a car and two cars, two car insurances are just too much, you know, with, so, so now they have no mode of transportation. Um, they get pregnant or um, bring home a dog or a, an animal. Um, if you leave me, I'm going to take the kids. I'm going to take the pet. You're never going to see them. Um, and, or control. control. Power. Uh, total control. And it doesn't happen quickly. It happens over the span of years, right? Years. And so you are invested in this relationship. And it's so hard to get out of that. And so it always drives me nuts when people are like, if the, if the abuse was so bad, why didn't they just leave? And it's like, if you hated that person, your partner so much, why didn't you just leave? Why did you have to abuse them? Because it's they get off on it. It is the power and control that they thrive on. Can you speak about kind of the misconception about sexual assault, like with your partner? Because I feel like that people maybe don't realize that it can still be sexual assault, even mm-hmm. if it's your significant other partner oh, or whatever. Definitely. Um, actually, 33% of sexual assaults occur with a current or former spouse um, or partner. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just oh. because you are in a relationship with someone does not mean that you have to have sex with them. Um, another one that I hear a lot is, well, He said that if I didn't have sex with him, then he would have to go and have sex with somebody else. Like, (laughs) you know, and um, uh, I didn't really want to have sex with him um, or um, or I've had. Yeah, where they got angry at them and threw them on the bed and and raped them. You know, it has to be consensual. It has to be consensual both from both parties. Just because you're in a relationship doesn't automatically mean that the other person is consenting 24-7. So um, on top of that, you need to be checking back in with your partner. Um, as particularly with sexual assault, if someone had been sexually assaulted previously, they can experience something called the freeze. Um, so we all hear fight or flight, but there's also the freeze and so it's when a trauma is occurring it's something extremely fearful is happening um it's an autonomic response meaning it's not controllable and the person literally will become frozen like they can't speak they know what's going on around them they can't speak they can't move and so if you are intimate with somebody and all of a sudden they stop participating your consent is done. So, you know, and it's, you know, and I said this once before and like people went off on it. Um, you know, it's like, what it, I love that TikTok that's like, tell me something that you said that made someone extremely angry. <laughs> and yeah, yeah that and people it's like, don't agree with. Yeah, what? Yeah. I have to check back in with my partner? I'm like, 
dude, you'll know, like, if you can't, if you can't decipher between consensual sex and raping somebody, (laughs) then that's an issue. Like, I I don't know what to tell you. We have a problem. We got a huge problem here. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or even on that same note, I mean, can you just speak on the fact of being too under the influence of any sort of alcohol or substance to consent to? Because... Mm -hmm that always kind of blows my mind where I'm like, why would you want your partner that is literally too like there's intoxicated a difference, right. or inebriated like, there's to a difference be able to between participate. crazy fun. You're just like sex that you're like, oh, I no, kind of regret that. About. We're talking that, you no, know, no, we're talking. Yeah. Someone yeah. literally cannot respond is not coherent. Yeah. I've exactly. just never like, yeah. yeah, to me, I'm like, why, if someone is too out of it to be able to participate, Same thing why you think that that's mm-hmm. consensual and why I, why that's even enjoyable for them is beyond my comprehension. Well, I think it's that's the a power and podcast. control. Yeah, so it's the same power. with sexual yeah. assault. Yeah. Sexual assault has nothing to do with sex. It has to do with power and control over another person. Um, and so that's why also it makes me so mad whenever I see judges giving like probation or like not giving anything and saying like, well, they're on medication to lower their libido. And like, you can still sexual assault, sexually assault someone with your fingers, with an object. Like you don't have mm-hmm. to, it has nothing to do with sex or getting off. It has to do with power and control, that feeling of power and control. And there's <laughs> the big problem with our, yeah, people not understanding mm-hmm. these yeah. core issues. Like that is such, it's a good point that you bring up because it affects not only healthcare, but it also affects the legal Definitely. system. And if we're not taking time to understand these things, then how are we going to fix the core of the problems? And so going back, you know, the number one drug that is used in sexual assault is actually alcohol. Getting somebody so drunk that they... They don't know yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Legal. Yep. It's cheap. And it's so when people come in. And then I feel like then the victim gets blamed too. Like, well, you shouldn't exactly. have drank that much. And that's like right. the double right. standard because yeah. for, um, you know, for women. And, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm making a lot of um, examples of women being the victim and men being the perpetrators, which it definitely, it can happen to anyone and anybody can be a perpetrator, right? I just want to make sure that that's. And in same sex, exactly. it's, like relationships mm-hmm, anybody, as well. Mm-hmm. Anybody. So, um, but just like the double standard of it all of like, well, you shouldn't have had so much to drink as opposed to the perpetrator is like, well, he had too much to drink. He didn't know what he was doing. Right. It's like, it, it's a total double standard. Right. Or I've even heard things like younger college age girls, like, well, you shouldn't have went to a frat party wearing that Dressed like what do like you that, what right. do you expect at a frat party but then I we can't not get sexually right. assaulted then we also <laughs> can't expect men to keep themselves or you know sorry to my sis not sorry to my cis men because most of these i'm assuming are cis men like majority am majority. i wrong? yep majority in terms of okay controlling themselves like just control yourself how is that you know it's just it's very frustrating it's like it wouldn't even be an issue if you controlled yourself and it's i mean it really is a public health issue right saying that it's a public health issue Mm -hmm. means that it's that i mean essentially it's a preventable and it it very much is but we don't talk about we don't talk about it you know with our kids right it's something oh they're they're too young they're too young um babies Mm. get sexually assaulted you know (laughs) like we you I, okay, I was actually had a four-year-old that. Um, um, that was sexually assaulted. Incest, 
you know, happens all the time, all the time. Um, do you guys like statistics? So here's some disgusting and shocking numbers. One in five Americans were sec uh, sexually assaulted as a child. One in five. One in four was beaten by a parent uh, to the point of leaving a mark. One in three couples engage in physical violence. Um, one in eight witness, these are children, witness their mother being beaten um, or hit. Um, each year, about 3 million children in the U.S. are reported as victims of child abuse and neglect, and about 1 million of them are so serious um, and credible enough to take action, so pulling them out and putting them into like a foster care system. However, children that are in the foster care system are 10 times more likely to be sexually assaulted than those who are with um, both parents, who grew up with both parents. Um, and so, um, yeah, yeah. And so it's just a vicious cycle on top of that. Um, somebody is sexually assaulted every 68 seconds. Um, it just in the United States, this is not worldwide. This is just the United States. Um, and every nine minutes, that person is a child. So when we talk about, um, sexual assault with children, um, we're not saying below 18 for, for in the sexual assault realm, child means 12 years or younger. So every nine minutes, um, it's somebody who's 12 years or younger is getting sexually assaulted as we are sitting here talking about it. That's so insane. Um, I have a question specifically about pediatrics. It's actually a two-part question. So my first question being, um, how does this present to you as a sane nurse in pediatrics, like the most common signs. And the other question being, um, how as a sane nurse, like when you come in and you're assessing these patients, like how does that look? Like, how is that? It's, that has yeah. to be. So, horrific. so with like, kids, um, the majority of them don't just come out and say it to their parents, right? By the time that it's actually brought forward, it's probably been years since, you know, they've been continuously being sexually assaulted for years uh, by the time they feel comfortable enough to actually say something. Um, most of them are found out because either they're caught uh, like the perpetrator is caught sexually assaulting them or there's some kind of um, like a medical reason that they are that a medical UTIs, UTIs or... STDs in kids like you you don't see that okay. um, yeah. uh, ble right. vaginal bleeding um, in like really little kids things like that um, so when we have a kid right anybody who's under the age of 18 so we're mandated reporters right anybody less than 18 or older than 69 at least in the state of colorado is mandatory reporting um but it is widely known like for all of our us sexual assault nurse examiners if somebody does not want to a forensic exam done on them, we are not gonna do it. That goes against everything, all of our principles, like we're not gonna, we're not gonna hold somebody down that was just sexually assaulted and force them to do this. Mm -hmm. the, the whole point of these exams is to try and give back the, um, the victim power and control that was taken away from them. So uh, I 
at every single step of the way, um, you know, I start at the head and I work my way down. And at every single point, I'm stopping and I'm telling them, I'm going to touch you here. Is that okay? Um, and if they tell me to stop, I'm going to stop. Um, and I make sure that they know that they can say that. Um, and I give them the options. Um, you know, for older, I have adolescents who, um, you know, they don't go to a they don't typically go to the GYN, right? They don't typically have speculum exams. Um, and so we do a speculum exam for um, post-pubescent um, uh, victims. So, you know, it's, it's their choice. I show them the speculum, especially teenagers. And I say, this is, you know, this is what I'm gonna use. Um, you know, you can decide if you want me to do it or not. Um, here's why. I, you know, I think it'd be good, a good idea to do this. Um, but in the end, it's up to them. You know, I'm not, I'm never going to force them. Even parents who bring their kids in and are like, I caught them sleeping, you know, with this 20 something year old and they're like 17 years old or something. I want a rape kit done on them. And I'm like, what do you want? You know, I always look at the, at the, the patient. What do you want? Um, and that's what I'm going to do. I would, we don't medically sedate any of them unless it's like a medical emergency that is detrimental to their life. Um, you know, you never restrain them. So, um, yeah, that's very important to know. Definitely. What's the biggest difference? Um, maybe to hear a little bit about one, uh, the process of becoming a sane nurse, just a little bit more about that. And then also mm-hmm male versus female sane nurses or care providers? Like what's the yeah, difference there? I, it's the same. Um, males can be um, sane nurses also. And sometimes it's actually nice. I mean, it's it, it depends on what the patient wants. If they don't feel comfortable with a, a male sane nurse, then obviously we would find a female. Um, or if they are okay with having the male sane, if somebody else is in there with them, then they can do that too. Every hospital has like their own protocol on it. But um, I mean, sometimes having a male sane is really nice because it shows, uh, you know, this this victim just had a terrible experience, most likely with a male. And now this gives them an opportunity to have a good experience like this is this is what a respectful male figure should be acting and um, giving you that giving them that power back. Right. so the training is the same. Uh, it's recommended to have like three to five years of RN experience. Um, uh, it's recommended to have ER or LND experience, but I mean, I had OR. So um, I think it just depends on where you're yes. trying to apply at. Um, and then just uh, having that program done, getting the, the program Um, So you can go to the International Association for Forensic Nurses and find a program there. Or the University of Colorado Hospital Sane Safe program is free to anyone with an RN. Um, It just goes over Colorado laws. So you just have to make sure that your work actually will accept that program because it's Colorado based laws. But it goes over like the basic general things of, you know, this, the same thing that we all do, um, and the neurobiology of trauma and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just getting that experience and also getting 
you know, being comfortable enough to talk with authority figures um, because a lot of this is stepping up for your patients and maybe, you know, it's very intimidating. It was very intimidating going into a police station and sitting down with a lieutenant and having to be like, this is what your officer did wrong, <laughs> did wrong. And here's what he could have done better. Um, you know, but Good for you. you know, it's, it's, um, it's a lot of that, you know, um, stepping up. And then also you do get, will get called, um, get subpoenaed later on. Um, sometimes for cases, I mean, it's been like, a year and a few months since I started and I just got my first subpoena. Um, and wow. yeah, so it's, that's kind of all it is. Is that a common piece of what you do? You're going to be addressing a lot of the legality, I'm assuming. So that may be yeah. more common. So, part well, of your job. so with sane nursing, when you get um, subpoenaed, you will talk with a judge and they'll determine whether you can be a fact witness or an expert witness. So if it's uh, like a jury trial, if you're a fact witness, if they deem you to only be a fact witness, then you can only talk about the evidence that you collected. But if you're deemed an expert witness, then you can be asked questions to explain to the jury. Can you explain to the jury the neurobiology of trauma? Because you are considered an expert in your field. Um, can you explain all of this? So, um, yeah, so that's a little bit extra. How does the judge kind of make that determination? I have no idea. Um, no, I'm just, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, they just decide. No, I think it goes based off of um, how well you can answer their questions, um, your past experience working. And um, so I had to send in my, like my CV on all the extra courses I've taken. Um, I just took my um, SANE A, SANE uh, adult exam. So um, having that certification um, gives me a little bit of boost to say that as well. Um, but yeah, I think it just goes back to like, what programs have you taken? What classes, ex um, extra, um, what's it called? Like courses you've taken um, to make you knowledgeable in your field. What's something you wish that you knew before you became a SAID nurse? <laughs> I, I wish I knew how frustrating the system was. Like, you know, you go in, you think like, oh, I'm going to get justice and, um, you know, I'm yeah, going to rid the world yeah. of uh, sexual assault abusers. Like, no, you're not. Um, only about 2% actually get a conviction rate. All right, two percent of sexual assault what? cases, and on top of that, yeah, on top of that, um, you know, the the system is just so it's so frustrating because, um, again, it's just like you you look at um, the judicial system and it's it's so hard. It is one of the hardest cases to um, convict because. Um, you know, everybody's innocent until proven guilty. So let's, you know, say you did find semen, um, you know, in the vagina. How do you prove that that wasn't right. consensual? With bruises? 
with marks. I mean, you can still have bruises and marks. If they don't have any. You can still have bruises and marks with consensual sex, too. Right? How do you prove it? How do you prove it? So it's that's why it is the number one um, least reported crime in the United States. Because, one, it takes months to get your uh, rape kit back. Colorado is one of the best, better states, and it, we're still like six months behind in processing kits. Um, you go to wow. Las Vegas, they are like years, years to process your kit. Because there are so many. Is it just a financial many. thing? There are so many, many so many, not enough um, lab, you know, crime lab techs. Um, I actually have a friend of mine who's a works in the crime lab and to get her job was insanity <laughs> the amount she had to be lie detectored like three times um to get this job and do all these other tests and and then you don't even get paid that much um to do it so crazy um so i think yeah i mean it's it's a huge issue but yeah i wish i knew I wish I knew that, um, you know, going into it, that I think it would, it would have saved me a lot of tears um, and like out of frustration. Um, I think my coordinator, my, my manager, I was so angry one day and she said the best thing that put everything into perspective. She said, you know, we live in a society where we victim blame and shame and don't believe. And sometimes the sane nurse, you are gonna be the only person who says, I believe you and I'm here for you. And that can make all the difference in that person's healing. And so when you go into this field, you know, instead of going in saying, (laughs) instead of going in and saying, I'm gonna get justice and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that, you have to put it into perspective and be like, no, like, this is what I can do. This is what I can offer, you know, and at least you can say that I'm going to be the person that says, I believe you uh, and I'm here for you. It's heartbreaking and like frustrating as that is. I'm so glad that there are nurses, there are nurses like in that field. We need more. We need more of them. Obviously. We need more, please. The system is like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah. if people listening to this are interested in it, like follow up on the path to becoming one because obviously it's definitely a underserved area. Clearly. Absolutely. Um, is there um a tip that you could leave our audience um before before we head out? Anything that um any good pieces of advice for them? For forensic nursing or just in general? Both. One of both. both. Okay. So for Nursing, I guess it could, this could be both. Um, look at the big picture. Um, people, you know, I think it's it's really easier for us to be like, oh, patients are, can be so rude sometimes and they're cussing us out and they're throwing stuff and they're so rude. Look at the big picture. Why are they acting that way? Um, and don't take it personally because most of the time it has nothing to do with you. Uh, Maybe they were, you know, like I look at our homeless population and sometimes they can be kind of mean. Well, what if you lived every single day of people 
looking down on you and trying to push you out of a place that you were literally just standing and doing nothing simply because you are homeless. You are seen as not valued um, person of society um, and how, you know, how that would make you feel every single day. And so while it's not okay for somebody to be rude to you, obviously, try not to take it personally. Um, and that's, it's taken me a long time to try and, and realize that, um, that it really has nothing to do with me. Um, and I think that's how I've been able to keep going in nursing um, because it can really burn you out pretty quickly. Um, trying to see that. I would actually agree with that 100%. Um, there's been a lot of times, I know Sam and I have been, both been in situations as well where either it's the patient's family or a provider or someone is being very aggressive towards you or angry towards you. And I just think in general, I agree with that. Like, just remember, it's not, it's that that's not you, right? It's not on you. That's not your, and, you know, I think that's a big, a good piece of advice because I would agree. I think it's, it's hard not to take things personally. Um, and I think that's a really big tip is just don't take it personally. And then my last my last one, I have two quick ones. Join your union and don't just join it. Uh, participate in it. And also really think about... <laughs> Preach. <laughs> we love it, sister. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and one last thing, just like really, really think, really think before you eat something at a potluck because that can sometimes <laughs> give you wild food poisoning you make that mistake once uh, and you never eat another potluck again. So I'm just, just be careful. Know who's bringing it in. Know how long it's been sitting out. <laughs> That's good advice. I always get like scared of other people's kitchens. Like, mm -hmm. like are you a cat person that lets your mm -hmm. cat on your counter? Yeah. or like That's fine, yeah. but I don't yeah, want yeah, yeah, that yeah. in my food. Or yeah, you licking sure. your fingers and then chopping stuff, you know? Yeah. Did you even wash your hands after using the bathroom? I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you wipe betwixt or yes. behind? That is then go and... a big question for me. I need to know these things yeah. about potential suitors. Yeah. <laughs> well, something we didn't cover, but I actually do want to highlight. Um, your blog is phenomenal. If there is anyone out there who is interested in travel nursing, do you have any quick tips for them before we head out? Get your experience. Please do not jump into travel nursing just to jump into travel nursing. It is not as easy as people think. Um, and if you're ever looking, you know, it's it, it really your recruiter can make or break your experience. So you need to make sure that you have a really great, ex uh, really great recruiter um, to back you up. <laughs> yeah. Any? Do you have anything coming up? Anything you want to share with the audience or anything? Oh God, good? my life is so bland right now a staff nurse bland is good sometimes we like bland, um, bland. Oh. i down i finally got netflix which is also a shocker um i don't know why i never had netflix before so just catching up on that um but if you're ever wondering what i'm doing i'm probably just on the couch uh in my underwear eating spicy cheetos watching squid oh, games you. i don't I know i would love the experience to I have just... netflix for the first time again you know what i mean <laughs> yeah because it's like when you've reached the point where you're like nothing's new yeah. and you've seen it all it would be so cool to be like there's so start many. fresh oh my gosh so there's many. the world is your oyster as oh, a I new netflixer that. yeah for sure i got rid of netflix and i it's been since the first season of ozark but i do love that what do you do instead oh okay <laughs> 
I have so judgmental. Hulu. No, you got Hulu, Peacock, Prime, Disney. Like I got the whole package. You know, (laughs) I'm too cheap for everything else. Maybe we should swap. Well, I got. um, There you go. I've been trying to get a Hulu password for a year now. (laughs) I know. I think like five people have my Hulu login. Sometimes I have to send out a mass text, be like. Y'all bitches gotta log off right now because this is my time. <laughs> this is my time. I'm paying I think I'm the just bills. Start inviting people over for dates and have them log into Hulu <laughs> and then be like, "All right, thanks," and then like have them never log out. Get out of yeah, good. And then distract them if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they forgot that they logged into my Hulu and they just <laughs> never log out because yeah. this is this is my new game plan. We love this for you. <laughs> Um, Leah, we actually freaking love you. Um, where can everybody else, everyone else needs to be following you as well. Where can they find you? Yes. So off the clock nurse on Instagram. Um, I've got my blog off the And then on TikTok, I'm trying to figure out that whole algorithm thing, which is just not happening. <laughs> we all? Um, they don't like it when you talk about sexual assault and domestic violence on TikTok. Yeah. You know, what's so. interesting. We've had, um, Dr. Justin LaMiller, because he, well, his topic is sex as well, but it's interesting because he was saying he gets censored a lot for a lot of his content as well. Well, you can't say a lot well. of words. You have to yeah, you have to like, be, you have to use other, yeah, yeah you, you have to get creative with how you say yeah. it. But um, yeah, I get it. But the, but the information you give is so good. So I hope, I mean, so it's there. keep sharing everything. Yeah. And I will say this too, for everyone watching or listening here today, if you're interested in learning more, go check out her highlight reels. Her highlight reels are amazing. I learned so much from you seeing your day to day. Um, all the resources are there too. We will link these obviously in the bio as well, because I, I just, I hope today truly you may have inspired someone to get into this line of work we need it and clearly and you know I think we also need to understand the root of so many issues we're having which I personally feel is so trauma-based so Mm -hmm. many of the issues that we face today as healthcare providers are really rooted in trauma and how that you know comes out is in forms of people wanting power or addiction or mental health or out you know so I just think understanding and and also for us tips of how to handle it. And you thank you so much for everything you brought to us today, Leah. This is wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. No, I learned a lot. This was super valuable. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Leah. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Ugh. Thank you so much, Leah. We can't even express how amazing this episode was. That was super informative and we'd love to hear your guys' feedback or follow-up questions because we would love to do a part two with her. So let us know any follow-up questions you have for her and we will work on putting together a part two. Absolutely. And I actually want to give this a quick shout out. So she sent us a couple extra little recs. I did save them in the show notes again for you guys, but on Netflix, um, two things that she recommended was made which we absolutely love you guys know that's one that we've watched and then also unbelievable and then on hulu there's two documentaries that she recommended one is called trafficked and the second one is called i was a child bride the untold story i definitely want to watch these so yeah we um, both watched made um that's the one about the woman with the child who's a victim of domestic violence and i 
thought it was so well done because it just shows how no matter how hard she keeps trying to get out of her situation the system is not there to actually support her i think that's such a big like she keeps trying and keeps getting knocked down and knocked down and that one was really good it was really well done but it was difficult to watch yeah and i think that's so much of the root of the issue that we have today right is the lack of support and for women and and how hard the system is so and if you have a hulu login let me know because i would like to watch those documentaries (laughs) this is me once again on the selfie podcast asking someone pimp yourself out login information (laughs) one of these days someone's gonna give me theirs absolutely um and then also um she did leave also a podcast it's called believe her the story of Nikki, I can't pronounce her last name, Adim- Adimondo, A-D-D-I-M-A-N-D-O. Yeah, so definitely check those out, you guys. And thank you so much for listening. You guys also check out our Iceland trip. Make sure you click the link in our bio. We have that so you can sign up for an email to come with us on a trip. New Year's trip. Holler Let's girl. go. Let's go, girl. Yes, no, me. bring your husband, bring your boyfriend, bring, bring everybody. your partner, bring your girlfriend, bring whoever, yeah. bring them all. My bring mom's me. thinking about coming. Yes. Queen Lori. Lori. If Queen Lori doesn't come, I'm going to be so hurt. Oh my God. It's, I, her, it's her, her birthday. Yeah. This would be a birthday trip for her and I for as sure. well because we get back right before our birthdays. And also my mom loves a trip to like, win- she's all about the winter vibes. She's oh. not into Mexico. She's like, she's a person that would rather go to Alaska than Mexico. Jacketed, yeah. Up. Think yeah. how cute our outfits could be. Oh my God. We're going to be in our oh my God. little Queen. coats and our jackets yes. and our little beanies. Boop. How hello. But then switch it up and a few months later we're going to be in bali mm. dropping those bikinis <laughs> hey girl everybody's a bikini body especially in bali so Toes there's the still sand. a few spots left open for bali yep. so come spring break with us or come ring in the new year's with us so excited um and thank you so much you guys for listening as always make sure you're following us on our insta that's at c-e-l-l-f-i-e underscore podcast the link in the bio, all of our goodies there, our partners and savings for you guys. And thank you so much for all your awesome reviews. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, drop your IG in the handle. We will send you out stickers and other little fun goodie bags, badge reels, pins, all that good stuff. And then the Spotify stars keep coming in. So thank if you, you keep giving us those five stars on Spotify, it means the world. We yeah. love you. These are the things that really help support the show, you guys. We really appreciate it. And make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A. And stay tuned this week. Um, it's gonna be a fun little episode. Bonus. It's like a fun little boop, ditty. Boop, boop. All right, you guys. Bye. Bye.